Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. God's word and turn to Psalm 95. Psalm 95, we're going to be in the first seven verses uh, of this psalm together today as we think about Thanksgiving and we consider a sermon I've entitled Gratitude's Expression. Gratitude's Expression. Because when we sing and we think about praise being on our lips, no better time than the time of Thanksgiving and what that represents for the praise of God to drive our expression of gratitude. And we'll look at that in Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. You know, the, the marching of time, I was telling someone at the bank the other day, you know, time just marches on, right? No matter, no matter what's happening, no matter the circumstances, time just marches on. And this marching of time, it leaves, leaves us with sometimes a lack of clarity. And so here's a story that shows that we have something in common. I came across a picture the other day of my, of my oldest child, my son, uh, and it was from 13 years ago, and it was taken in Greenville when we were there, living there, and it was at the fall festival we were a part of, and, and it brought up all these memories uh, of that day and, and the special time it was for our young family uh, during those moments and during those years. And without that picture, though, I probably wouldn't have thought about that day. Without that picture coming up and me seeing that, I may not have thought about all the memories of that day and how special that day was for us. Uh, and it just shows that, that time, time marches on and it takes away some of that clarity, right? It, it takes away, as, as, we, as we grow and we enter into different seasons of life, some of those things in the past are not quite as clear as they once were. And you've had these conversations, as a minister, I've had these conversations with those that have lost loved ones and in their grief, they, they miss certain things about their loved one that was lost. And, and, and they may not remember everything and then something comes to their mind about their loved one that was lost. And, and just as time marches on, the clarity seems to fade in some ways. And the people of God knew that. And it's one reason God commanded the people to remember and to worship what he had done in their life. When you walk through the Psalms, and we'll see a little bit of this in Psalm 95 today, but when you walk through the Psalms, you'll see people proclaiming and, and the text showing that the people of God are to remember the exodus when they were brought out of slavery, to remember the parting of the seas, to remember the Passover when God passed over and saved his people in that, in that form and fashion. And, and we see this recorded in the Old Testament, but it wasn't something that happened. It wasn't a segment of the people's history. No, it was something they were to remember, right? And not only were they commanded to remember it, it was something they were to pass down from generation to generation. Much like you would pass a baton to someone as you're running in a race. Remembering what God has done. Remembering who God is. Remembering the promises of God. Handing that off to the next generation. It's important because time marches on and it wears down our clarity. It removes that clarity that maybe we once had. 
And so as we arrive at the threshold of Psalm 95 together this morning, we see both conversion, this conversion of both worship and gratitude. They're, they're converging right here in this moment, and we see that worship's lifeblood is thanksgiving. Now, we have decorated thanksgiving in some ways in our culture. And most of the times we think of thanksgiving, it, we might think of family, and, and we might think of our favorite dish, or we might even think of the egg bowl. I don't know what we think of, but we think of some things when we think about thanksgiving, right? But here in Psalm 95, we see that both worship and gratitude, they converge on us. And it makes us ask the question, whether you're here today or you're watching or you're listening, we all have to ask this question about thanksgiving. It's not only what we're thankful for, but who is the object that we're thankful to? Who is the object of our worship? Because if we're worshiping family, then we're off track. If we're worshiping anything else than our creator and our maker, then we're off track. If our attention is given to all these different lanes in our life, then we're off track. And what Psalm 95 shows us is how worship drives our thanksgiving and how our thanksgiving should be characterized by our worship of the one true living God. And this leads us to our big idea for today. And so if you don't hear me say anything else, hear me say this. Our big idea for today is worshiping the creator creates gratitude. Worshiping our creator creates gratitude. So let's read the first seven verses in Psalm 95 together this morning. So take your copy of God's word and you can follow along beginning in verse 1. Come, let's shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let's enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand and the mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. We read this psalm, we see this voice going forward, this voice of worship. And it shows us something about worship. And the first principle we see comes from verses 1 and 2. We see that worship is joyful. Worship is joyful. As I read through this and studied this this week, put this together, I was thinking of a couple of years ago, I was with our, some of our students, a group of our students, and went to Infuge down in Mobile, Alabama. And one of the night sessions, one of those night sessions where there's a great worship time, we were in the midst of that. And our group during that session got to sit up close to the front. They move you all around so everybody gets their turn up front. Well, it was our night to be up front. And I remember hearing this song sang, and I remember just stopping. I, I stopped singing, and I just kind of stood there, and I looked around in that auditorium where all generations all these, all these students from all across the South and, and even further than that, all these youth leaders, all these college students that had come to lead students during that week, the band was leading this time of worship, and I just, I just wanted to take it in. And it was this time of worship where I just closed my mouth and I just looked around. 
And it was one of the, the most meaningful moments I had in that year. Because there was this joy, there was this excitement. It was a joyful time of worship. And that's what we see happening in Psalm. In Psalm 95, we see, did, did you see the, the word triumphant over and over again in this psalm? There is victory in the Lord. And that victory is to bring us gladness. And that victory is to bring us joy. And that victory is to characterize our lives. And it should shape our thanksgiving because worship is driven with gratitude. And gratitude's expression should be one of joy. And the very first word shows us this. The, the first word of the psalmist is, is come. It's an invitation. When we come to the threshold of Psalm 95, the psalmist invites us. The psalmist says, come, let's worship the king. It's kind of like yesterday with Bess. You know, I like using Bess as a, you know, for some illustrations because she's still young enough where she doesn't care. You know, the older ones are a little bit different, but the young ones, she doesn't know what's going on. So I can talk about her. No big deal, right? So me and her got to hang out yesterday morning. We got to play, and we got to, she wanted to drive around. She actually, she just pointed at the van, and she wanted to sit behind the wheel. And then she pointed and was, was wanting to get back in the car seat. And so I put her in the car seat, and then she looked at me and was like, all right, let's go. Let's drive. Let's go. Okay. And so it was a nice day, so opened up the sunroof, rolled down the windows, and we just drove around some neighborhoods. Saw some people we knew just hanging out. Nice, beautiful day. And then we wound up at the park next to our house down the street. And she's going up and down the slide, and we're running around there. And we sit on the bench for a little bit. And then she looks at me, and she decides that she wants to go ride the horse that's on the other side of, of the playground. And so she looks at me, and she says, Mom, Mom. She's saying, come on. Mom, Daddy. Mom, Daddy. And so there we go. We go to ride the horse she wanted to get on. And really what the psalmist is saying, Mom, let's go. Come with me. Let's enter into this place of worship. And let's enter into this place of gratitude. And let's go before the king with thanksgiving. May our gratitude to him be expressed in this way. And that will reshape our thanksgiving. That will reshape our lives. That will reorient our days when we hear that invitation to come on. Come on with me. Let's go worship the king because he's triumphant. Let's go worship the king because he is good. Let's go worship the king because he is worthy. Let's go worship the king and orient our lives around him because he is graceful and he is good and his kindness abounds in our life. We are blessed by him. Each verb in this psalm, it just builds on one another to where there's this, this crescendo, this volcanic sound of praise coming forth in Psalm 95. And we need to recognize that. It is not a stale piece of literature that was written in the past. It is the living word of God speaking of his victory and speaking of the honor and the thanksgiving and the praise that he alone is worthy of. You see, when we think about making comments of, well, I guess I need to go to church this week. Or we make comments of, well, I guess I need to get back to church because I hadn't been in a while. I've heard these all my life growing up. That's not what we see in Psalm 95. 
Obligatory praise and apathetic worship is not characteristic of Psalm 95. Therefore, it should not be characteristic of our lives as followers of Jesus. No, friend, it is a volcanic eruption of praise, of thanksgiving. And it, and it highlights the church's import, importance. Because when we move through the rest of Scripture, we see that for past and present, the church is God's plan. And part of that plan is the worship of him. Think about it just for a second. If someone who knew nothing about God decided to join in on a worship service of the church. And they heard and they saw and they witnessed. What would they walk away saying? Would they walk away saying they proclaim and follow a majestic God? Or would they walk away saying, well, that was a nice meeting. Psalm 95 shows us that we are to come and we are to praise and we are to worship and that thanksgiving drives this worship. It also shows us that worship is not isolated, friend. That to come together as the church, corporately as the people of God, to worship in the presence of one another and in the presence of God, that that matters. That we don't isolate so that we can, quote unquote, grow by ourselves or grow on an island. That is not scriptural. That is not biblical. Now, there are going to be some times where you learn some things as you study in your own that is going to grow you, but it is not to neglect the gathering of the saints. And so even in this psalm, we see this idea of worship, but we see the importance of the church that's coming. This is written in the Old Testament. We know the church is established in the New Testament, but God's people coming together has always been a part of following the one true living God. And it shows us that importance here, even in Psalm 95. But it also shows us that we are joyful because of the object of worship. The object of worship is none other than the Lord. The rock of our salvation, the foundation of our salvation is, is him alone. And therefore, we come to the Lord in worship and in praise because of who he is and for what he has done. And we worship with joy. We have an expression of joyful worship. Now, this joyful worship, however, is not random. And in the next set of verses... In verses 3 through 5, we see that worship is specific. Worship is specific. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been making it to some basketball games around the Delta, filling up the gas tank a little bit more. And uh, I, I knew where all the towns were that I needed to go as I looked at the schedule. But there were a couple of schools that either I couldn't remember or I hadn't been to before. And so I had to pull out my Google Maps app on my phone to find out specifically where I needed to go. See, I knew the town, right? I knew the highway that would get me to the town. But that wasn't the last step in the destination. I had to be more specific. Because I could get to the town, but I might miss the game. So I had to figure out exactly where that school was where that specific spot was so I wouldn't miss the game, right? I had to find out that detail and be very specific. You see, following and worshiping the Lord is very specific. 
It's not random. It's not by chance. It's very specific. And the psalmist presents specifically who our worship is directed to. Worship is specific because God is the king above all gods. And this distinction is key because we do not worship an unknown God. We do not worship a God that is distant and far off. You see, philosophically and theologically, that would be known as deism, okay? So simply put, this is what deism is. Deism is God's wound the clock, or maybe you remember playing with those tops when you were a little kid and you spun the top and it went around. God spun the top, and then he's good. And then he just is away from everything. He's distant. That's not who we worship. We don't worship an unknown God. We worship a known God. And in Scripture, and specifically in the Old Testament, his name is Yahweh. And that's who the people worship, and he is the king. And that's what we see happening here in Psalm 95. The people are specifically worshiping the triumphant, victorious king because they know his name. And he's the God above all gods. There's only one true living. So an unknown God is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a known God. And that's where our worship and gratitude and thanksgiving is directed to. He is the object of our worship. So we're very specific with who we worship and who the object of our worship is. We have a specific God, and he is a personal God. When we get to the New Testament, we see that he knows even the numbers of hairs on our head. Now that might seem kind of, Wow, counting the numbers, it represents just how God knows us. He's not a God that's distant. He's not a God that's far off. He is an intimate, close, personal God with a name that we can worship. He is to be the object of our worship. He is to be the one that we praise and we give thanksgiving to. In this set of verses, verses 3 through 5, we see that that the psalmist speaks of how vast and how sovereign he is as creator. How, how do we know how great this God is? Well, the earth is handheld. Much like our handheld devices that we like to have day in and day out, the earth, the psalmist says, is handheld by God. It's the, the example of the, the song we had first kids worship this week, had 30 kids, it was great. They did a wonderful job and, and, and did good. But I remember growing up as a kid, we would sing, he's got the whole world where? And it's, y'all want to sing that together? No, I'm kidding. Don't get nervous. He's got the whole world in his hands. And Psalm 95 says that the world is handheld in God's hands. The, the deepest region of the earth to the tallest apex of all the earth. I've been on vacations where I, I swam now and, and did some scuba diving down deep with the schools of fish and everything. And then I've been in places like China where I've been up on a mountain. Maybe you've had some traveling experiences like that. But the deepest you could go and the tallest you could get, this is what God holds in his very hand. 
Now, side note, friend, if you firmly believe that, then what's transpired in 2020 is not going to shake you. Because you're going to trust in him, even in the midst of it all. So let's don't be shaken. Let's be in this together. Let's don't be shaken and let's direct our thanksgiving and our worship to the one that holds everything in his hands. The one true living God. It is all in his hands because worship of the creator creates gratitude in our life. Worship of the creator creates gratitude. Secondly, we see that the earth was formed. Not only is it held by his hands, it was formed by his hands. All the intricate details, all of the specifics, everything was made by the hands of the Creator, even you and me. And it shows that He cares. What's that old country song, Daddy's Hands, right? Maybe you've heard that before. His hands created, but His hands care. His hands didn't create in randomness. His hands created very specifically. What that says about you and what that says about me is that we are under his care. Just as the psalmist describes, sheep in the flock of the maker. He cares. And that's why our worship is specific. Because we know that his kindness directs us. His grace. We know that His kindness it directs us to repentance. We know that His kindness directs us to His worship, and that there's nothing that can separate us from His love. Did you realize that, friend? If you're watching today, did you realize that nothing can separate you from the love of this Maker, this love of this Creator who holds the world in His hand, who cares enough to be close to us in our needs. Listen to what Paul writes as he expounds on this idea in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. Paul writes, for I am persuaded. That means he's convinced. He's believing it. It is part of him. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So maybe as you come to Thanksgiving, maybe that's, that's where we start, right? Maybe that's just where we begin with everything that's transpired up to this point in this year. Maybe that's where we begin, and we're just thankful that God loves us. And that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Height, depth, circumstances pandemic, whatever you want to name, it can't separate you from God's love. It can't separate you from the grace of God. And that may just be the embrace that our soul needs in these moments. To know that we worship a specific God who we praise and we give thanksgiving to out of his love for us. But we also see that worship is a response, and we see that in verses 6 through 7. Worship is a response. So we see that worship is joyful. We see that worship is specific. And the last principle this morning is that worship is response. You know, new wears off quick, doesn't it? Right? You've heard me say it before that my wife's gift is 
her spiritual gift is throwing things away, right? And I'm just glad I hadn't ended up on the curb, although 2020 is not over. So we'll see what 2020 brings. Uh, but last weekend, it was time to clear out some stuff. So her and my oldest daughter got in the closet and in the room, time to clean, clean up and clean out, right? And here comes all the American girl doll stuff. Oh, we had to have it. Oh, it was on the Christmas list. Oh, it was so pretty. You know those utensils for those dolls are better than some people's utensils, right? Oh, we had to have it. It was so pretty. It was so nice. We get the hair done, get the matching outfit. I got pajamas. My dolls got pajamas. We love it, love it, love it. But now we don't love it so much. And now baby best gets to love it. Amen? All right, hand me down. Baby best gets to love it. But that's part of this cycle that we find ourselves in, right? It's new. It's exciting. Look at it. I have it. It's wonderful. It goes in the closet. Because new wears off. Time takes its toll and new wears off. And here's the danger. Are you listening? Come here real close. Here's the danger. The danger is is that time would take its toll spiritually upon us and we would lose sight of how good God is, his grace that saved us, the forgiveness that is present with him, and we would even lose sight of the hope of eternity because the new has worn off. You see, that will affect how we respond in worship. If the new wears off, if the new wears off of our faith, if the new wears off because all the years have passed and we don't have that clarity of how God saved us from our sin, if the new wears off in our life, then it will affect how we respond in worship. And the danger is, is that we'll begin to take steps and go through the routine and we'll go through the motion and we won't be proclaiming how triumphant God is. And we won't be talking about how great God's grace is. We would just simply be moving through the motions. That's the danger. And friend, I'm just here to tell you that's where Satan wants you. If Satan can take the shine off your salvation... If Satan can use time and circumstances to wear down the gloss of your salvation, then he wants to make that a cracked door spiritually in your life so that he can begin to kick that down and make you begin to doubt, make you begin to wonder, make you begin to walk steps away from God. That's exactly what the evil one wants, but that's not what we see in Psalm 95. Psalm 95 shows us. It emits for us like a light into the dark. It shows us the heart of worship. It says, come, we worship the king, the king above all gods, the ones that, that, that's only worthy of our praise. He has cared for us as sheep in his pasture, and he is the one that we sing to. He is the triumphant Lord. Friend, don't let that time take its toll on your faith. Don't let that time bring the shine off your salvation. Turn to the Lord. 
And may your response of thanksgiving come from a heart of worship. May it be said of us, may it be said of us as a church, and may it be said of our families that Thanksgiving, yeah, it had a great time with our family and it had a, some good dishes that we always like to have during that time of year. But may the number one characteristic be the worship of the true king. Because worshiping the creator creates gratitude. As we wrap up this morning, I was thinking about a testimony I heard it's from artist, worship artist, Jeremy Camp. I'm sure you've heard some of his songs before, whether you realize it or not. A movie was made of his life in the last couple of years called I Still Believe. And it was about the relationship between him and his first wife. His first wife contracted and had cancer. And they got married and she passed away. But he shares in his testimony that her attitude was this. Her attitude was one of eternity. Her attitude was, you know, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be in heaven. You know, if, if, if this cancer comes back, if, if we go through the treatments and I'm good, then, then we'll live our life together. But if cancer comes back and, and I pass away, I'm going to be in heaven. But she told Jeremy, she said, if one person can come to know Jesus, if one person can know Christ through my story, then I'm okay with having cancer. And sure enough, the cancer spread and the cancer became worse and Melissa lost her life to cancer. And Jeremy shares in his testimony of a moment that after she had passed, he was grieving, he was weeping, he was in a very hurt, hurtful moment in his life, a very pivotal moment in his life, and he felt impressed by the Lord to begin to sing a song of praise and worship. And right where he was, in the room where he was at, even though he had just lost the love of his life, he began to sing to the Lord. Because worship of the Creator creates gratitude. Worship of the Creator creates gratitude. When we worship, we find multiple blessings to be thankful for. When we worship from a heart that we see in Psalm 95, we connect to the one whose grace showers our lives. Our worship in these times, it reorients us to the blessings that we already have. Worship of the creator creates gratitude. And friend, that's what I want for you. If you're listening and watching today, that's what I want for you. I want for you that heart of worship, that heart of gratitude that would reorient your thanksgiving for the glory of the King of Kings. Hear the invitation of the psalmist. Come on. Come on. Let's worship the King. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you today. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for how specific it is. We thank you that it reveals to us exactly who you are. That you are not a God that is far away, but that you are an intimate, specific, a God with a name. Your name is Yahweh, and we praise you this morning. There may be one here today. There may be one listening, watching today. And maybe they've never trusted in you as Lord and Savior. And they've recognized that they are a sinner, a part from a holy God, and they need your grace. And they want to make today the day of salvation in their life. They want to turn to you by faith and faith alone to be saved from their sins. 
and to have the hope of eternal life that comes through, through knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. There's someone watching today. I pray that they would type in the comments faith or send us a direct message. If there's someone here today in this room with a faith decision, I'm going to invite you to, after we dismiss, make your way back forward and that we can talk and we can pray. We want to journey with you in your faith decision. Lord, if there's someone here today that's been wrapped up in the busyness of life, in the year that's been so difficult with all that's going on, or even just the busyness of getting ready for Thanksgiving, I pray that from your word today they would reorient, they would realign, and they would have their Thanksgiving shaped by true, pure worship and have a gratitude that goes beyond the norm, an expression of gratitude that points others to a risen Lord. Lord, use us as your church as you're about to send us out from this place. Use us to live lives of worship, sent out as letters to be read, that we might express a deep gratitude to you as our King. May we turn to you because you're close. May we live for you each and every day, God. May you be glorified among your people. May we leave this place proclaiming what a great God we serve. We pray this in your precious and powerful name.